I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Seth Hurd, CEO of Brand Expand. And we're going to be discussing how to grow faster on Amazon. Welcome to the podcast, Seth. Thank you, Scott. I'm happy to be here. Would you mind taking a moment, Seth, to introduce yourself to our listeners and describe what you do at Brand Expand? Yeah, certainly. So I was a third-party seller primarily on Amazon for a number of years uh, from 2015 to 2021. I exited my business last year, fortunate enough to exit for seven figures and just kind of naturally started a consulting agency called Brand Expand back in 2018. And I had a lot of clients that you know naturally wanted to help launching products, optimizing listings, ranking their products, things like that. And there wasn't a lot of good softwares out there that really did this in a scalable way. And I saw an opportunity. So I started transitioning my agency to more launch and ranking. Um, and then eventually in 2019, realized that to scale further, we needed to create a software. And that's when the software was kind of born. Um, took two years to develop, way longer than I thought it would. But that's kind of how software development goes. Um, but in December of 21, we were able to launch. We are onboarding clients and it's it's going very, very well. So we're excited to to bring it to the public and be able to scale uh, the SaaS now. And, um, and yeah. And so before we go into a little bit more about what you're doing today, I want to explore that early part of your journey. Well, it's, it's not even that long ago, you were talking about growing your business on Amazon. And you said it so casually, growing to a seven-figure business on Amazon and then exiting. It doesn't happen every day of the week. <laughs> um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about that story. So can you maybe just talk me through the journey about maybe just starting off with what was the inspiration? What got you started with selling on Amazon? Yeah, for sure. So I was in accounting back prior to 2015. I went to school for accounting finance and I was just, you know, sitting there in my cubicle one day and I just really did not enjoy the environment. Um, I knew that I had so much more potential and that it was kind of, I had a ceiling at this job and, and I wasn't being appreciated enough. And, and I realized that entrepreneurship is really the only way to reach my full potential. Um, it was a book by Timothy Ferris, The 4-Hour Workweek, that really kind of sparked this entrepreneurial um, bug in me, so to speak. And uh, the rest is kind of history. So I looked at his book and I tried a number of different products to see if anything stuck, um, but nothing was really catching fire. And after I read this book, Tim Ferris did supplements. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'll try, I'll try to do supplements. And so I, I ordered a thousand bottles 
of Garcinia Cambogia. <laughs> and I said, if I can sell these all in, in 30 days, I might have something here. And so I did. And, and so, you know, with just over a thousand dollars, I was able to do that and then reinvest the profits and literally took on very, very little debt financing and was able to grow it from roughly a thousand dollars to seven figures in a little over five years, um, just by working really, really hard, reinvesting as many of the profits as I could and really just expanding the brand to more and more ASINs and growing out child variations, optimizing listings and kind of networking with, you know, sellers in my space to, to really grow the, the brand. And then, yeah, 2021 presented an opportunity. Um, we were doing record sales and um, put it on the market, probably had interviews with 30 to 40 interested buyers and ended up exiting for uh, the valuation that we wanted. So it was, it was a very amazing experience. And I'm, I'm very excited to take this next business to the, to the next level and to help third-party sellers you know, expand their brands. And prior to 2015, did you have any experience in running either your own business or any experience of commerce or marketing in that way? No, not at all. I mean, like, honestly, I remember going to these meetup events and I, I just remember thinking like, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that's trying to get all this free information. I have no idea how to sell online. I have no idea like what Amazon means. And I'm going up to all these seven to nine figure sellers and being like pulling on their shirt, like, hey, how do I do this? Or what do I do for this? You know, a lot of them, like I am today, you know, I, I love, I have a soft spot for all e-commerce sellers and I probably spend more time than I should you know, explaining things to them and, and, and consulting with them um, and not charging them just because I love communicating with them. And I remember that back in 2015, when I was getting started, that's really how I, I, I got my footing was by, you know, networking with these, you know, higher volume sellers that had so much experience. And so that's why I really like to provide that type of value today. Um, so really, you know, if I have any advice, it's get out there, find people that have done it successfully, you know, ask for information, don't be shy. Um, and they'll, likely gladly provide you with that information that's interesting so the book the four hour work week was the inspiration and i know it's a practical book as well so there would have been some knowledge there mm -hmm. then you use that platform and you acquired knowledge from networking it sounds like but were there any other resources or aspects of your learning that really helped you grow on amazon yeah, I mean, a lot of people will do these courses and spend, you know, thousands of dollars on, on guru training. And I'm using air quotes here because that's the, that's the term that everybody uses, gurus, you know. But what I did, I mean, I was completely bootstrapped. I just found, I mean, everything you need is on YouTube videos, in documents online, in blogs and podcasts like this. And so really just finding all the information you possibly can. I remember I had binders of information. I would like try to organize them all into binders, like, you know, different areas of the launch process, you know, how to create your listing, how to optimize it. Right. So I would just grab this material from all over the place and really, you know, just create my own strategy based on all this free information that was out there. And so if you don't have a lot of money, um, but you have time, you know, just finding this information on your own, it's, it's all out there. You just need to search for it. Mm. I know the four hour work week book. I've read it myself. I'm trying to remember how old it is now, but maybe is it maybe a decade old? Would you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about a decade. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for anyone that's listening to this, that's maybe heard of that book. That book's come up in conversation on this podcast a few times. It's amazing mm -hmm. the reach and the inspiration that book has had. But there will be yeah. skeptical listeners that think, well, that book's a decade old. You know, maybe I can't apply the techniques or advice from that book and achieve the same things today. Do you think that you could achieve the same things on Amazon maybe today 
that you could back when you started in 2015? Yeah. Um, the first thing I'll say is that book is still very relevant. It's such a good book. And I highly, I highly recommend it. I actually went on and created and did a review on Amazon because I said, if I'm able to start a business and I was able to grow it to six figures a month, I would come back and I would review this book. And so I did. But it's still very relevant. It's such a great book. It's a, it's a pretty easy read. Um, is it as easy? No. Um, back in the old days, I mean, prior to 2016, you could literally pay for reviews. And nowadays, that seems absurd, but it, it was something you could do back then. You could use any type of ranking method, you know, you could really rank and, and get your sales up pretty quickly. It was kind of the early days. It was like the wild west of e-commerce back you know, prior to 2015, especially 2012 to 2015. Nowadays, it's you can still sell on Amazon, but the compliancy and the restrictions are so much higher these days. So you got to be you got to be a lot more careful, um, and also the margins are a lot less. Uh, in one of my MBS, my mastermind groups. I sent out a poll and I said, you know, over the last five years, how much has your profit margins decreased or increased? And 30% of the sellers said that their margins decreased by, uh, by zero to 10%. And 65 said they decreased 10 to 20%. And so it was just this massive eye opening, you know, only 5% of the sellers said that they actually had increased margins. So the reality is Amazon, as they continue to kind of edge up third-party sellers and grow their own brands, it becomes more and more difficult. And you have increasing competition. I believe there's about 1.5 million third-party sellers on there now, um, where Walmart, for example, only has 100,000. So you have this increasing competitions, these diminishing margins that make it more challenging um, to sell on there. That's not to say there's not opportunity on there. There certainly is, but it's definitely more challenging these days. I want to continue on the on the subject of Amazon, in particular, early stage of Amazon, your mm-hmm. journey on Amazon. And I'm really interested to know whether you were considering launching on other platforms. I know now that you work and you're kind of an advocate for cross-platform selling. What made you get started with Amazon specifically? Was there anything that stood out? Yeah, I mean, Amazon back in 2015, it was really just Amazon just dominating the e-commerce world. Um, and so it was just... It was just, it made the most sense, right? Back then, I don't even think third party sellers were on Walmart because Walmart acquired jet.com in I think 2017, which was ironically created by an ex Amazon associate. And they acquired jet.com to build out their e commerce infrastructure. And so shortly after that, um, I think Walmart became invite only to third party sellers. And now they bring out all third party sellers. So back prior to 2017, Amazon was really the dominant. eBay is becoming more and more. Or I should say less and less relevant. You know, eBay, I, I like to consider them basically a giant garage sale, right? So unless you're selling used parts or, you know, products that um, are used or, or, or something like that, they, they just generally don't sell very, very well on eBay. Plus, eBay has half the traffic, but Amazon probably less than that now. Um, so it just was, it made the most sense. That's where everybody was going to shop. Um, nowadays, it's really starting to transition. Uh, I mean, Amazon's still the leader in the space, but Walmart is coming up, Target's coming up. The one thing I like to say, and I, I don't mean to get too far off topic, but I tell all my sellers, you know, what I think will happen in the next five to 10 years is all of these e-commerce platforms are going to carve out their own type of niche. So you're going to have Amazon and Walmart really being the lowest price products just based on their structure, right? They, they're able to drive down the cost of the products and thus the price. Target's going to be a little bit more expensive, similar to Wayfair. You're going to have higher quality items, a little bit more expensive like home goods. eBay is still going to be a garage sale. 
Uh, Etsy is going to be your craft items, things that you buy for your mom on Mother's Day or you know your dad on, on Father's Day or birthday gifts, right? And they're going to all carve out their own little niche because Amazon is not going to continue increasing their market share. They've already done that and they're pushing out third-party sellers. Um, and so third-party sellers are, are migrating. I mean, Etsy just had... They have twice the number of third-party sellers they did in 2019. And Walmart is now scaling up their third-party sellers a lot now that they have you know, acquired Jet.com. So it's the perfect opportunity to get on those platforms now while it's still early. Another thing I like to say, and I kind of pulled this from Project W, from Helium 10's Project W, just full disclosure, but Walmart only has 100,000 third-party sellers. Amazon has 1.5 million. So even though Walmart has half the traffic, I believe, you know, 100 million uh, people a month, unique users a month, and Amazon has like 200 million or I don't know, it's it's basically half of Amazon. Each buyer per seller is way, way higher on Walmart, right? So you might not have the same traffic, but you have way less sellers, way less competition. So Walmart's very similar to like Amazon in 2012, 2013. So I tell sellers, listen, get on Walmart now, get established carve out your niche, get your items on there because in three to five years, you don't want to be scratching your head saying, I wish I got on Walmart in 22. You know what I mean? Um, so it just presents a massive opportunity. Target's an invite only still, but they'll probably open it up to third-party sellers soon. And Etsy is a huge place too. Etsy is exploding as well. So that, that'd be a great uh, opportunity if you sell craft type items or items that sell well on Etsy. Yeah, it's really interesting how you describe the it's a very hard thing to articulate, but how the different platforms are positioning in terms of their niches, but also mm-hmm. their price points. I was searching for Valentine's Day gifts recently, and it's like on Amazon, they're just all ch- such cheap products. And it's like, I'm not going to give anybody a gift from Amazon. It just doesn't make... Because they, they really are the way that they are... You know, they. If you if you read Jeff Bezos's book, The Everything Store, he talks about how it's, it's a customer centric platform, and the, the best way to bring customers to your platform is offer the lowest price. The only way to do that is to really get the cost as low as possible, and cost is directly you know it's quality. Cost is quality, right? So if you drive down the cost, you're going to drive down the quality, and so naturally you're just going to be selling, you know, in my opinion, inferior items. So if you try to find a nice product or some nice furniture for your living room or, or some a nice piece of artwork, you're probably not going to find it on Amazon in, in, in the near future, at least in my opinion. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at it. It kind of leads me to my question, which I'll get to in just a moment. But you're selling a lot of the positives about third-party or cross-party selling and, and the benefits of being on these different platforms. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest thing that stands out to me is the being able to find your audience like for example you just mentioned about valentine's day or gifting so Mm -hmm. etsy has become the platform for where you might search for unique gifts as opposed to as you just described maybe amazon so it makes a lot of sense to me as a marketer you go where the you go where your audience are and so I'm, i'm interested to know the objections to that when you're having these discussions with business owners there's a lot of logic and common sense applied to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So maybe what are the things that prevent businesses from wanting to launch or expand via third parties? Yeah, that's a great question. So the biggest challenge is going to be your 3PL, so your third-party logistics um, and your fulfillment. So if you're on Amazon, right, you use FBA, uh, you're probably not you know, doing um, your own fulfillment if you're on Amazon because that just doesn't make sense anymore. People still do it, but it's it's more and more challenging. And 
Um, so you're probably using FBA. But Walmart uses their own fulfillment and services like Deliver, right? So you have to stock at FBA. You have to stock at Deliver. If you use a service like Deliver, uh, you can also utilize that for your Shopify orders if you have your own store. So that's a benefit there. And then if you sell on Etsy, you probably have your own warehouse, right? So that the th- third-party logistics and stocking your items at different warehouses, um, you know, that all presents a, a really challenging um, obstacle because you have to also know your lead times, how much quantity to stock so you don't run out of inventory. And that on one platform is challenging enough. If you have multiple platforms, uh, integrating all that becomes very, very challenging. So you have to have, a, you know, an omni-channel software that's able to help with that 3PL. And if you do, and you have enough volume where you can justify um, expanding to those different platforms, then it becomes beneficial. But if you don't have enough sales on those platforms, you kind of have to judge your opportunity cost, so to speak, or, or how much it's going to cost you to expand to a different channel and whether or not it's worth it. You know, For example, when I was selling health and wellness products, I tried to go on eBay. And that's why I compare eBay to a garage sale because you're not going to go buy a health supplement on a garage sale, right? So like nobody was buying supplements on eBay. And so eventually, you know, I just gave that up. What I will say is, is you can fulfill eBay products via FBA, which is something you can't do with Walmart. But, um, and by the way, eBay is super easy to integrate, uh, with Walmart. You can use, there's a number of different softwares out there that will pull your listings from Amazon to eBay. So if you have a, a product that sells a well on Amazon, it's pretty easy to integrate that with eBay. Uh, but it has to make sense. Um, so I would say that the 3PL presents the biggest challenge. Yeah. Something that struck me as you were talking there is, is reputation ever a challenge or a consideration at least? Because let's say, for example, you have what you consider to be or you want to sell as a premium or luxury product. It wouldn't make sense then to maybe try and build that business on eBay because of what you just said, the perception that maybe it's the lower price point kind of garage sale type platform. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it has to make sense. You have to really look at like the target demographic, who's going to eBay, who's going to Etsy. Uh, who's shopping at Walmart and, you know, make sure your product makes sense on the platform. And the easiest thing you can do is search for, you know, look at your direct competitors, ASINs or products and see if they're on these other platforms. And then use a software like Helium 10, if it's on Walmart or Amazon, to see what types of sales they're doing. There's a Helium 10 plugin that's amazing for checking the sales volume for products on Amazon and Walmart and just see if that opportunity is there, see if the, the sales are there. And for anyone out there that maybe isn't sure, and I'm assuming this is where you help businesses as well, perhaps, but for anyone that's not sure, so they're not quite sure which platform their product could fit on or could fit best on, is it easy to validate the idea of selling your products via certain platforms? Or because of what you said about logistics, it mm-hmm. sounds difficult to validate your idea or the business model um, it's not too difficult to validate. There's a book by Jim Collins. Uh, it's called Good to Great and Great by Choice. He has a series of books that I absolutely love. But one of the things he talks about is is firing bullets before cannons. And the whole idea is try a small test, you know, shipment to these fulfillment centers, right? Fire bullets before cannons. So just see if your product can sell on there. That's kind of what I did when I got started is I just sent in a thousand units. That doesn't sound like a lot. It doesn't sound like a little amount, but it is with supplements, a thousand units is, is barely anything. So just take a small quantity, you know, a thousand, five thousand, one to $5,000 worth of inventory, send it there and see how well it sells. You know, if in that way you iron out any of the challenges beforehand, 
And if you find, hey, I was able to sell these in a month, one to two months, I didn't have any any obstacles, then send a little bit more units, right? So that's probably the best way to validate. And also just looking at your competitors to see if they're on the platform and to see how many sales they're doing. If you don't have a plugin like Helium 10, just type in their primary keyword and see where they're ranking with regards to that keyword. Um, see how many reviews they have. You know, there's other ways to kind of gauge how much volume they're doing. Um, you know, on Amazon, you have BSR, the bestseller rank, and, you know, the different ranking aspects of the listing. But I highly recommend that Helium 10 plugin because you can see the revenue, the monthly revenue they're doing. So, you know, sending a small test inventory in is the best way to do it. That's what I recommend. See how it goes. See if you run into any obstacles. If it's a smooth process, then scale it up. And really, that leads naturally into the marketing. So assuming that you've kind of validated your idea or you're about to validate your idea mm-hmm. uh, and then you select your marketing platform, what's interesting, as I think this through, is that the advertising solutions, although similar, you kind of have to learn the different advertising solutions that are available on all these different platforms as well, which is another maybe consideration or commitment that you have to make before you launch. So for example, well, actually, this is a good question for you. Should you prepare when launching on a third-party platform to have to invest media budget in the advertising solutions as opposed to kind of hoping that things will be found organically? Yeah, absolutely. You have to spend on advertising, uh, especially nowadays. You know, back in 2015, you might be able to get away with um, not advertising um, and just having a really good product and start getting good reviews and then have a kind of catch word of mouth. Uh, but nowadays, it, you, you got to spend in advertising and you're probably going to lose money for your first few months, to be honest, um, because what's going to happen is you're going to be pouring money into PPC on Amazon, headline display, product display, brand display ads, and your cost per click is going to be so high because you don't have many reviews and your what they call the ad cost to sales, your A cost is going to be way above your product cost, right? Anywhere from like the 50 to 100% range. Um, and so you're going to be losing money, but it's necessary to get traffic to your listing, start to get those sales, and then hopefully get product reviews. And product reviews are so hard to get on Amazon nowadays that it really takes a while to get organic reviews because only when I was selling, it was about one, maybe 2% of customers leave a review. It's probably less than that now. So, I mean, you're talking about 100 orders, you're going to get one to two reviews. Um, and that's if you are asking for them. If you're not even asking for them or you don't have an insert that's compliant, and I'm using air quotes when I say compliant because it's very ambiguous, their terms of service, right? So we really, we're not really sure what is compliant these days. But uh, if you're not doing those, you know, if you're not trying to get reviews, you're going to have less than a 1% review rate. And that's really going to, it's really going to hurt you when it comes to your return on your investment. It's going to be very expensive until you get those first 10, 20, 30 reviews, or even 50 or more in some cases in really competitive niches. You're going to have to have 50 to 100 reviews in order to bring down that A cost to increase your conversions. Um, so that's internal, right? I also recommend using external sources. Amazon said to rank external traffic two to three times better than internal. It's kind of hard to know what Amazon wants nowadays because they're really ambiguous about how they want external traffic. Like they value it more based on ranking. And that's obvious to any third-party seller that's been on Amazon for a while. But at the same time, there's a lot of restrictions around driving traffic. Like technically any paid traffic is, is potentially against their terms of service. So you just, you just have to be careful um, with Amazon, with all the other platforms. You know, if you're sending traffic there, they're like, 
you know, whatever, like we'll take the traffic. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, you can ask for reviews if you do it in a compliant way and it's not tied to an incentive, right? Um, but Amazon, no incentivized reviews, no really even asking for reviews if you're providing a heavily discounted product. And so it's really, really challenging, but you will have to invest heavily in advertising. Absolutely. Especially in the beginning. Mm. I want to carry on talking about Amazon in just a moment, but before I do, just because I mentioned the self-serve advertising solutions that other Mm -hmm. parties are building, are there any particular solutions that you've seen other parties outside of Amazon build that you think are particularly impressive, intuitive? Yeah, I mean, a lot of sellers are driving traffic from social media. So, you know, Facebook, Insta, uh, Twitter, um, a lot of sellers are creating Google ads. Google ads are, are, are you know, what, what the seven to nine figure sellers are doing is, is creating really good Google campaigns. Uh, you can also have, you know, Facebook campaigns or many chat flows. Um, there's software out there that will help you generate a many chat flow. You, you just have to make sure you're compliant because there's, there's a lot of compliancy around those. You got to make sure that, you know, you're not doing anything that is going to get you in trouble with Amazon, which again, it's become increasingly ambiguous as to what they allow. But that's just what I've seen a lot of sellers use. Is the compliance typically stricter for Amazon when it comes to the advertising as opposed to something like Etsy or eBay? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Going back to Amazon there, and I'm glad you talked through what you talked through because it's it been my assumption. I don't work in Amazon day to day in Amazon advertising, um, mm-hmm. but I keep up to date with what's happening on Amazon and I'm a consumer and a lazy consumer at that, like a lot of people. So <laughs> I use Amazon quite a lot. And mm-hmm. from what I've spotted over time, I'd assume that the competition, the traffic and so on had increased. And for almost any product you search for now, the market is saturated, for, at least for me. So I'd assume that that would make it more difficult to improve your sales via Amazon organically. And naturally, that you know, the more traffic they get, the more competition that you have, the more that that benefits them in advertising revenue. Correct. Um, but are there, are there any principles to the organic side, so particularly with product listing on Amazon, that have remained maybe the same since 2015, as relevant as they are today? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the cost for ads is increasing. And as they really create these terms of service that ironically bring all these third-party sellers into their platform and do basically Amazon wants everything done within their own ecosystem. And for obvious reasons, right, they can collect money on that. Um, and so what happens is it just drives up the cost of the ads. Um, and it really is not very advantageous to sellers to only be able to advertise within the Amazon ecosystem, because if everyone's doing that, guess what your cost per click is? It's going up, up, up. And like I said earlier in this you know, podcast, the margins are all you know slowly diminishing for third-party sellers. And so it becomes increasingly more and more challenging uh, the more sellers that are advertising. Um, so that being said, you know the best thing you can do with regards to your listing, uh, things that have applied over the years and haven't really changed, just the quality of the listing. I mean, that hasn't changed. So you want to have super high quality images. Uh, you want to hit on your primary, your secondary, your tertiary keyword, your, all of your top keyword phrases in your title. Because the algorithm, the A10 algorithm, it was A9, I guess they're calling it A10 algorithm. That's going to search your title first before it searches the rest of your listing and before it searches your backend search terms, right? So you want to make sure your most relevant keywords are in your title. Your high quality, your listing images are super high quality. That's the second place that a lot of consumers look as your listing. I don't know about you, but 
when I buy a product on Amazon now, I don't even read anything. I just look at the title and then pull up the images and make a dis- and then look at reviews and then make a decision. So um, just taking just go organically through your listing as if you were buying your own product and and optimize those areas right. Uh, get EBC. It's now A plus content uh, at the bottom of your listing. So you have to be brand registered in order to get A plus content, which is why before you even sell on Amazon, you want to start thinking about you know getting your brand trademarked because you need to have a trademark to get into Amazon brand registry, which you need for this A plus content. A plus content will probably increase your conversions by you know five to ten percent. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, it's it's the really nice looking ads uh, or pictures at the bottom of the listing in the description area uh, in all the best selling products or most of them are going to have that. If you find a best selling product without a plus that presents a huge opportunity because that means that it's probably not very competitive. And obviously the back end of your listing, the search terms, you can use other attributes to index more keywords. So really just building out that best quality, highest quality listing is going to slowly Every tiny incremental improvement you do to your listing will drive up your conversions a little bit more. And conversions are the really the primary flywheel in the whole ranking process, right? Amazon's looking at the traffic that's coming into your listing and what how that con- traffic converts. So if it's converting really well and your conversion rates are really high, you're going to get more sales. It's going to rank higher. Ranking higher gets you more sales and it really drives that sales flywheel. So just really focus on the quality of your listing um, above all else. And that's never going to change. I'm interested to know anecdotally whether you've seen the importance of video change more recently. And I say that because you described the journey that I take when I buy on Amazon. Quite often, I'll read the title. Uh, I'll read the reviews. I kind of usually when I go to Amazon, I know what I'm looking for as well. So I'm kind of far. I'm not I'm not usually browsing Amazon at a kind of consideration stage. I usually know what I want at that stage. Mm -hmm. But I have noticed that maybe over the last couple of years, if products have videos on Amazon, I typically will take the time to look at the product videos. Have you seen anything change in that area? You know, not a lot. I kind of noticed the same thing. Like when, when I was doing videos on Amazon, it's weird. I would only have like a product that was selling, you know, could be selling like 20 to 50 units a day. And over the course of like several months, I've had like, I had like two thumbs up on a video. It's like, how many people are watching this? You know, so I don't know how many people watch it. I mean, that might be one of those things that will increase your conversions by maybe half a percent to a percent. You know what I mean? Cause it just, it just validates your listing a little bit more. Um, and it shows it a little bit more professional. Um, if you're able to get a video, I certainly would, would try to do that, but I don't know how much emphasis customers really have on videos. I know if, if a product doesn't have a video, I don't really care as a consumer. Right. And I think that's probably how other people feel, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like if you're kind of weighing up the decision about a high quality product video, as opposed to maybe product images, it sounds like it's more beneficial to have a series of high quality product images um, if you have to make that trade off. Yeah. And what I would say though, is if you're going to do videos, do them in brand display. So the new thing, and you also have to have brand registry for this, but you can do brand display ads and those appear similar to PPC ads, um, but they're going to be videos. And the benefit of that is when somebody types in a search term, right? And it's relevant to your ad, your video is going to show up and people's eye, you know, your eye is naturally drawn towards moving objects, right? So people are going to look at videos very, very quickly when they search for your product. So if you're going to invest anything in in videos, 
Um, definitely make sure you can utilize it with brand, uh, with your brand ads. And then you can maybe put that on your listing too. That's what I've seen a lot of third-party sellers do is they'll create this brand ad and then they'll take that same video and maybe tweak it a little bit and then put that in their listing. Ah, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And really th- that leads naturally into kind of what I wanted to talk about next, which is other tactics, marketing tips and tactics that either you're using yourself and recommending or other people are using. What are you seeing out there in the wild on Amazon? That um, Well, actually, I was going to say that falls within their terms of service, but I'm interested in the full spectrum, the things that you think are positive and having a benefit that you see that are within the terms of service. But I think mm-hmm. it's sometimes helpful to know what people are experimenting with that uh, fall outside the terms of service, not because we're encouraging other people to do those things, but because it's fascinating to see. It kind of gives an indication about what's working on the platform and maybe pitfalls to avoid. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what I what I generally tell people is if if it works really really well, it, it probably isn't. It, it's probably against their TOS. So it's that's generally what I've seen over the years. Like if you ranks your product really well, or if it works really really well, you know all these these gurus and these three to you know or three seven to nine figure sellers are in these mastermind groups, and they really like to keep a lot of these tactics underground because. The second that the masses find out about it, then Amazon finds out about it, and then they create you know some terms of service around it, yeah. right? So, um, you know, with regards to compliance nowadays, I mean, really just finding ways to drive external traffic in a compliant way via social media and building an email list is really the best thing that you can do. Um, how to do that? There's, there's, there's other, there's tactics that you can, you can look up. I won't get too much into it, but building an audience outside of Amazon. So you're not so reliant on Amazon in a compliant way, of course. And then using that, that audience to drive new product sales or use, you know, services that help with product launching like ours. We are trying to create um, a more compliant launch and ranking approach, which will utilize coupons or influencers or social sharing, et cetera, um, because search find buy is kind of in this gray area um, after the quarter, you know, the, the Q4 update that Amazon has is full disclosure. So there are sites out there that will help um, drive traffic, uh, make sure it's in a compliant way, um, but driving that external traffic in any way possible, building up your audience is going to be the best thing that you can do, um, I think. To, to boost up your your traffic. That's really interesting. You just touched on one thing, which we'll close on, which mm-hmm. was the influencer marketing aspect. So just anecdotally speaking, I mean, I don't spend a, a lot of time on social media, but when I do spend time on Instagram, of course, being a marketer, I pay attention to a lot of the ads and what influencers are doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've seen influencers direct me to an Amazon page as part of like an influencer marketing tactic. But is that something that can be used? Does that comply with terms of service or is that a bit of a gray area? It's not a gray area yet. It probably will be in the near future, I have to imagine. But right now they have like, I think there's an app called Influencer or something. And so I think there's services out there and, and we're seeing influencer marketing become more and more popular for driving traffic to products. I know that a lot of ranking a- launch ranking agencies are kind of shifting to using influencer marketing. Um, so I think that's going to kind of get bigger and bigger. And as it, as it grows and as it becomes more effective, Amazon's going to create, you know, different types of uh, rules around it because obviously, you know, they want to try to grab that market more and, and, and get those fees. 
But right now, there's not a lot of TOS around it. It just It's just how you drive that traffic to Amazon. You just have to be careful how it's driven to Amazon. Make sure that you're doing it in a compliant way. But generally speaking, right now, there's nothing that's stopping you from finding an influencer that has you know, 10,000, 100,000 followers and saying, hey, I'll give you a percentage of proceeds or I'll pay you this amount to you know, show your product to your following. And again, you might not see them maybe because it's it's not relevant to your social platform or like whatever social platform you're on, but it is huge. And there are different apps that have a lot of people that have downloaded the app that do this type of influencer marketing. My perception is always that over in the US, you tend to get feature rollouts and functionality in Amazon that comes to the UK and other countries a little bit later. And one Definitely. thing that one thing that's just jogged my memory is that I remember at one point seeing a specific uh, Amazon trialing their own internal within Amazon influencer program. And I haven't really seen too much of that. I, I saw it kind of soft launch. I haven't seen them heavily promoted. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious to know in closing whether that's something that you've seen over in the US. Um, no, but I, I, what I will say is interesting is I was in Manchester, I think like three, four years ago in England, and I, I was taking a, an Uber ride. And I asked, I think it was a taxi rider. I don't remember. It was Uber taxi. And I asked the guy, he was like around my age. I said, you know, what are your thoughts on Amazon? Do you guys use it a lot? And he's like, oh, you know, we, uh, we generally use eBay over here. And, and and at that moment I was like, wow, like eBay is, is, is not very relevant in the States anymore. I think they're kind of making a comeback. I heard a commercial the other day. I, I don't know, maybe not, but yeah. <laughs> I think they are making a comeback, but yeah, I, I think things get rolled out here. Um, and then they get rolled out in the UK. So that, that you know brings up a really good point. What's not compliant here, and again, I'm using air quotes because it's really ambiguous, but you know, it might not be the same in the UK. You might have different yeah, rules and regulations in terms of service over there than we have here. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Generally speaking, we're going to see stuff here uh, before it's rolled out to other Amazon marketplaces. And actually, I've lied because now you've triggered one final question. Is there anything <laughs> that you've actually seen on Amazon that you know is in the pipeline within Amazon marketing? Maybe it's within their advertising platform, or maybe it's just tactics that you think are going to work on Amazon in the future um, that people should pay attention to. Does anything come top of mind for you? Within the platform itself, um, honestly, like I, I can't think of anything off the top of my mind because I'm because I'm not a third-party seller anymore, um, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not privy to those things as much as I once was, which is one of the, the disadvantages of, of selling my business. Um, but I know that they're doing, a, they're they're trying to roll out a lot of different types of ads um, that are around influencers um, in ways to kind of, you know, create this influencer type ecosystem within Amazon. I, I think. Um, and so they're rolling out like more video ads, but they're basically just creating more types of advertising within their own platform. And I think, again, that's just another way to to grab some of the margin of third-party sellers. Unfortunately, that's just the truth. Yeah, that leads me to think a lot about, and again, this is kind of a final thought in closing about the potential mm-hmm. integration over time with Twitch and Amazon. Twitch is kind of almost moving from what I see from strictly gaming to uh, alternative live streaming platform to YouTube or Facebook Live. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know what the figures are, but at least my perception is it's becoming the place to go for live content. That could yeah. present new opportunities within the Amazon advertising platforms. And also that, as you just said, the integration with influencers, because a lot of influential people are there already on Twitch. Yeah. And one thing I'll say too, I know we got to go, but um, I didn't really mention this, but YouTube is huge. So 
So one of the things I wish I would have done back in 2015 is really build a following first and then present my product to that following. Some of the most successful products you see out there now, uh, this person was, you know, they were in the nutritional field and they were a bodybuilder or something and, and, and they just naturally transitioned into supplements and built a following and just provided value to an audience and grew up an audience. And now you have 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 people that already trust you that you can launch your product to, right? And that just creates this explosive growth. YouTube is very, very popular for driving traffic to Amazon. So just something to consider. Seth, uh, it's been really interesting speaking to you. And if people want to learn more about you and Brand Expand, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you, Scott. I appreciate your time. If you want to find out more about us, our website's brandexpand.us. Um, go ahead and reach out to us. You can sign up for our platform. It's live to the public now. Um, you can set up a demo with me um, or reach out to me directly, Seth, at brandexpand.us. Um, and we'll tell you more about our services. Brilliant. Seth, thanks again for your time. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Take care. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.